You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumare. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumare. And Mary Jo, I'm feeling a little biblical today, a little gospel, if you will. Uh, specifically, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, where Matthew or Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, you will hear wa- hear of wars and rumors of wars. Doesn't that feel like what we've heard in the last couple of days and on the Sunday shows yesterday? I mean, it's like we're hearing wars and rumors of wars and bigger wars. Yeah. Um- What's that big word? Armageddon. Armageddon, or uh, the big word that uh, Secretary Blinken used yesterday, catastrophic. And I think he used it twice, just so we didn't have any doubt in our mind. And the context is uh, Vladimir Putin has indicated he might be willing to use nuclear or other weapons. I mean, he said that uh, Russia will use any weapon in their arsenal, anything in uh, uh, at their disposal. And so the question is, were the Soviet or were the Russians to go nuclear, would the United States do the same? Would we answer the same way? And uh, Secretary Blinken did not put our minds at ease. He said the consequences will be catastrophic. What do you make of all that? He didn't say no. Let's just say that. No. But what what he means by that, we don't know. And I think, you know, you and I were texting about this yesterday. And I thought, based on absolutely nothing, that we would not use even a limited nuclear strike, but would just inundate Ukraine with all kinds of weapons to take Russia. I mean, the, the bad thing about that strategy is, does that push Putin to go more nuclear, to take a common phrase and put it in its original context? It's, it's very frightening because Putin does appear, and all the experts are saying that he's been backed into a corner. And if backed into the corner, Putin is a dangerous Putin, I think is the point. What we don't know, he's still a rational actor. Because a rational actor not only wouldn't use nuclear weapons, would start to think about negotiating a settlement while he's ahead. Because right now, what would the settlement be? You keep those eastern provinces in Crimea, and a diminished Ukraine goes on about its business. Do you think... uh Today, if let's assume Putin becomes very rational and he comes and he says, yeah, let's let's make that deal. I want the Donbass. I want the industrial areas. I think it's uh, uh, got strong Russian ethnic roots. And let me keep the Crimea. And uh, I'll say I'm sorry about all this. And we'll go on. Do you think Ukraine and Zelensky can even accept that? And I'll tell you up front, I don't. You don't think they'll accept I was going to say yes. I think they would accept it because 
um, because they feel like they don't have a choice. But you know, maybe I'm wrong because Zelensky sure, certainly hasn't um, indicated that he would accept that. And here's my thought process on why I think he might uh, might not. There, uh, they, uh, the Ukrainians, uh, their counteroffensive has had some success. Not huge. They haven't pushed them all the way out, but it has had success. He continues to have the support of Europe, NATO, and the United States. And he could look at this. Uh, Russia is running these referenda uh, in the eastern regions. Everybody thinks they're a sham. We're told that soldiers are going door to door uh, delivering the ballots. I mean, this is the kind of election a Republican would absolutely love. You know, they're like all about this. So let's assume that Putin now says those areas have just voted democratically. They are now part of Russia. And if there is any incursion uh, of those regions that involves the United States in any way, I'm going to consider that an act of war. Exactly what that means. For Zelensky, does he feel like, you know what, the United States and Europe, they just got farther and farther into the pool. I can count on them more. And as long as I can count on them, I'm like Churchill during the Second World War. It may look bad, but I got a shot. Maybe. I mean, I suppose it depends on what NATO and more importantly, the United States is saying to him. In other words, if that deal were brokered and Zelensky says, no, I'm not going to take it. I need more weapons from you guys. And they say, no, mm -mm. we're not going to keep the world disrupted this way. We're not going to roll the dice to protect areas that, you know, you disputed, but Russia thinks are disputed. I don't know. I mean, Zelensky's plan and Ukraine's plan of holding out and winning the war depends completely and wholly on NATO, more importantly, the United States. So I guess it depends on what the United States decides and what the United States is telling Zelensky right now. I, and we don't know that because I say one thing about Anthony Blinken. He's like the perfect diplomat because he says a lot with saying nothing. He does. But, you know, we really have kind of a parallel thing here. I agree with you. Uh, the day that the United States says, no, uh, Mr. President Zelensky, you need to sign. He's got to do it uh, there. He, he, that's his reality. We don't know all about this, but it feels like the day China and India say the same thing to Russia, they've got to think about it. Maybe not as severe as Zelensky, but it's still a problem for them. Yeah, it's a very good point. And the other thing I was thinking about this morning, and this was listening to the what's happening in Iran. Now, Iran may be able to... Um, quash that, quell that uprising of the women. But let's assume they don't, you know, let's assume that that just keeps going and, and 
you know, there is some kind of so so destabilized in Iran, and and the Iranian government um, loses its power. I mean, how that would happen, I don't know enough about it. And then that kind of spreads to Russia. You know, there are moments in history where these autocrats just begin to fall. And it's it's hard to say, like, who went first? You know, during the Arab Spring, everybody knew that it was that um, fruit seller in Tunisia. But why that was the thing that started all the other disruption? Hard to say. And so that that could happen. I mean, I agree with you that if China and India say to Russia, we're not on your team anymore because this is just too disruptive to the world. And part of it, John, is it's so disruptive to the world economy. We, there's a lot happening in the world economy, but the, one of the biggest drivers of inflation, of these oil issues, of an upcoming recession, is what's happening in Ukraine. And Putin alone is responsible. So he may feel good about that and say, ha ha, West, I can bring you to your knees. But there will be a consequence to him about that. Because every country in the world is getting swept up into that. China, India, Africa, all these supporters of Putin's. And who is actually the strongest economy in the world as it ever was? The United States. So it's not helping Putin to bring everybody else to their knees. No. And I think that's a problem overall. You know, we're hearing today the pound uh, in England has dropped precipitously. It's now about the, the same as the dollar. Uh, the en- English, you know, got an extra two weeks to feel good uh, about the monarchy. And now it's back to reality time, which is is not a pleasant thing for them. And what I think is striking is this is all going very badly. And we are not yet in the very cold of winter. And if there are the kind of potential problems with fuel and heating fuel in England, throughout the rest of, of Europe, both the human and the economic consequences of that are really difficult. We've looked away. I think the world has looked away from Ukraine for a while. Uh, there, there's been some months where there were other things uh, going on, but I think the attention is squarely back on Ukraine right now. It is, and I hope that as that happens, we're not just worried about the nuclear thing, which is possible for the first time, probably since the since Cuba, right? Which was sixty what that we really have a, I mean, I think there's been other times where there's mistake making, but this moment where Russia is actually threatening to use nuclear weapons is maybe really the first time since Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yeah, and I think your comparison to to Cuba is a real one. You know, we now know that uh, uh, Castro, who actually had direct control of the weapons, he was the guy on site. He wanted to launch them and he wanted to launch them against the United States and they would have been able to hit Washington DC and so forth. There's some reason to question whether they were actually that functional, but desire uh, was there. And, you know, we know many of the stories with that. So that seems to be going on in the underpinning. I, you know, what you said before 
about the United States response. I agree with them. Let me tell you why. I don't think as a moral question or frankly, even a social or political one that the United States government can stand to actually use a nuclear weapon. Right now, we're the only country that's ever used them, ever. That's Hiroshima and, and Nagasaki. So it's just not that open. So I think there's that problem. I think there also is the problem of what happens in escalation. Can you actually say, use what I think is a useless phrase, we're going to use a tactical uh, nuclear weapon, which is taken to mean, uh, well, it's kind of small and it's isolated. We're not going to send the uh, planes and bomb New York City. That's that's the thought. But man, the escalation happens and it can happen quickly. And I think we even saw in Cuba and in other things, uh, this could go on in a matter of days where yeah. the escalation happens. And I don't think Joe Biden does that. I don't think I so at all. I don't either. But what is, you know, to come back to the U.S. political situation, which we always do, what's interesting is I think even people who are not Joe Biden supporters are looking at this and saying, well, at least we have the most experienced possible team in Washington right now to deal with this. And we actually had dinner the other night with someone who's a Republican, not a Trump supporter. And she said, I don't like Biden, but I will give him credit for having very experienced, competent people around him. And thank God. Yeah, and absolutely. So that, I think, is something that should give us all some comfort because um, you don't have a bunch of yahoos there who don't know what they're doing and nothing in this world could be as complicated as managing a potential nuclear conflict and, and managing Putin. So I don't know. I mean, Biden knows Putin, so I'm sure he's involved in the discussions. But I also have this sense about Biden that he's like, you guys, you know, bring me your best advice and we'll make a decision. But I am going to trust you. Like, I'm not, it's not my gut that's at play here. It's the, it's the world that we need to protect. And it's, you know, we've said this so many times over the last years is, you know, may you live in interesting times. These are not just interesting times, Tom, John, but they're frightening times. Well, they are, because we, we know, we have always known that nuclear weapons are an existential threat uh, to humanity. And they just really are. And uh, uh, we face that. And I I said to myself, I'm not going to mention Donald Trump, but I got to tell you the truth. Uh, yesterday, as I was thinking about all this, I thought, oh, my God, what if he were president uh -huh. and Mike Pompeo was secretary of, uh, of state? <laughs> and we would know that lurking around the White House is Mike Flynn, for God's sake. But, you know, John, it's someone asked me that question the other day. What do you think would happen? He would not have supported Zelensky. So right now, Ukraine would be part of Russia. Yeah, yeah, but absolutely. I don't think there's really any doubt about that. And I think Putin's significant miscalculation was not invading Ukraine while Trump was president. Maybe Trump asked him not to and said, or wait till the second term when I don't have to be reelected. 
you know, this kind of stuff happens. But yeah. that that's that was significant, I I think. But yeah. we'll see. History history is yet to be written. We'll have, we'll have to see. But I think I got to tell you, I think Vladimir is sitting on a cracker right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Putin on the Ritz. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> no, terrible. he didn't say that, terrible. did he? Terrible. Maybe the editor will take that out. Oh, <laughs> All right. You should. Okay. Bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.